0: much. Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, if you turn there, and Proverbs chapter 3, and uh, I think I've narrowed it down. I think it was Dustin Irwin who put that gray beard stuff up here, and uh, so... I hope he doesn't. I hope he's real watchful when he does security at school in the morning. That's all I got to say. And uh, no, I'm teasing. And uh, no, that verse that verse in Proverbs: "Is the glory of young men is their strength." I think in the beauty of old men is their gray head. And look, if you got to make this trade from one to the other, don't cover it up, man. Don't don't cover it up. And but uh, if you'd stand with me, Proverbs chapter three, uh, Proverbs chapter three, and um, verse uh, Proverbs chapter three, verse five, familiar passage of Scripture. And tonight really is uh, maybe more of a Sunday school lesson more of a topical study, uh, I guess, type of thing, I'm going to have you turn with me to several places of scripture. And but I think it's important to our Christian life, and it's just God's roadmap for giving. And you know this this season of year as a church, and I hope as an individual, you pray earnestly before the Lord uh, about what you could and should give. You know God gives every man differently when it comes to finances, time, or talents. That's that's in completely in God's hand, isn't it? And I'm thankful for a God who doesn't hold us accountable for what we do not have, and uh, He just holds us accountable for what we have. And so uh, when you turn to the Scripture, you know the Bible kind of gives us that roadmap on how to prayerfully seek out. His wisdom in what we give. I'm thankful when He gives us a Bible, He gives us a a doctrinal book, a positional book. You know, it tells us of salvation and what He's done for us. It tells us of eternal security, of the Word of God, of who He is. uh, But it's also a practical book. It it brings us practical lessons for life on all sorts of things. I'll be honest when it when it comes to the doctrinal things, it's easier to walk in sometimes than it is the practical things. And when God begins to give instruction on giving or the things that we listen to or the things that we look at or, or the way we appear to the world in our appearance, all of those things are when we really start stepping on our toes because it, it recalls us to some actual change in our life. And uh, I think it's in those places that surrender is really seen. It's where surrender is really seen. And I, and I think when it comes to giving... God is more concerned about our surrender than what He's getting from us because He doesn't really need what we have. And uh, He doesn't really need it. And He uses what we have. But uh, God's really more interested in us than in what we have. He wants all of us. In Proverbs chapter 5, some familiar passage of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, I'm sorry, if I said 5 a couple times. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 10. And if if you're there, I'd like you to read with me aloud verses 5 through verse 10. "...trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and morrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty." and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Lord, I'm thankful for who you are. I'm especially thankful for your son, for his life on this earth, his death on the cross, and his resurrection. I'm thankful for life as we looked at it this morning. And Lord, that we have a creator who made us and a redeemer. Lord, that we have a sovereign God who's uniquely equipped each one of us. I'm thankful for a shepherd who walks through life with us in a, in a home in heaven. And Lord, you've given us some substance in our life. You've given to us on, very differently in cases and given us different abilities and different talents. But in every case, you meant it to be used for your honor. That we might honor you with what you've entrusted us with. And I pray tonight that as we look at the scripture from a practical standpoint this evening, that you would speak to our hearts individually. Not only lay the groundwork of what you ask of us and what you would seek us to in our faith, but Lord, that we would hear it individually from you. Lord, I love you and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This passage of Scripture calls us to a few things, and one of them is trust. It's faith. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, Then all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct that path. Familiar passage of Scripture, I would say many of us have that memorized, or pretty familiar with that verse. How many of you would at least say, Preacher, I'm really familiar with that verse, and some of you may have it memorized. And so the Lord calls us to faith, and clearly says, don't lean on thine own understanding. He calls us, don't lean on your own logic, don't lean on your own wisdom, but trust the Lord in everything. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Put him first in everything, and he shall direct thy paths. He calls us to that step of faith, to trust him, to acknowledge him, to follow him. He also calls us to an obedience in our life. Honor the Lord thy God with thy substance and with thy firstfruits of all thine increase. He says, I don't want you to just trust me, but I want you to be practical in that trust. I've I've given you some things in your life. Be obedient in the way you give it. Trust me, follow me, and and let that trust be seen in a practical way. He says it should be seen in our life. And then God promises us this as a result of that, a blessing from God. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. I would say that's the theme of Scripture. Trust me, obey me, and find blessing from me. And if you follow the Scripture and run it through in any circumstance of the Word of God, you'll see that call from the Lord. Trust me. Follow me and find blessing from me. And God calls us to that life. He would tell of his disciples, follow me and I will make you uh, fishers of men. There's a call to follow, to follow, to have faith, to trust. Think of Abraham when he said, leave the land of thy birth and come out and follow me and I'll make of thee a great and mighty nation." Follow me, obey me, trust me and I'll bless thee. And that runs all the way through scripture and not only merely in finances, but many areas of life. I think when it comes to our homes and families and can I tell you something, the best opinion to follow when it comes to the home is the scripture. You know, there's a lot of people with, with, with opinions and ideas, but the one to follow is the scripture. I think when it comes to our own personal lives, the one to follow is the scripture. When it comes to our finances, there's folks with all kinds of opinions, but God's word is full of instruction on it. We know this, that God speaks to this. I mentioned it on Wednesday night or Sunday night, last Sunday night. God cares about how we secure our money, doesn't he? He cares about how we earn it. He doesn't want it to be ill-gotten or he wants us to work and be faithful. And he said, work with thine own hands. And it's good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. The Bible says a man doesn't eat, neither should, doesn't work, neither should he eat. God calls us to labor. He cares about how we save our money. The simple, uh, prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on or punish. God cares about how we save our money. Uh, God cares about how we spend our money, doesn't he? And I referenced the verses in Timothy last week, and uh, we're not to be caught up with the things of this world. God cares certainly about how we share our money and how we give according to as he has given to us. I want to look at some places in Scripture where the Lord calls us to give. And and I would split them up into two types of giving. One is obedient, the other is spirit-led. One would be, I would call, an obedient giving where where God lays out very clearly a tithe or or what we should give out of a simple obedience. And then there's other giving that is spirit-led giving. In other words, it's not according to man hath or hath not, but according to man hath. I think of missions and things of that nature as God lays upon our heart and says, "I, I would like you to give. And it's very individual. But there are certain that is just simple obedience. And, and by the way, both both the spirit led is is still meant to be obedient, isn't it? It's obedient to a spirit leading. But there are certain places where God calls us specifically to, to one of obedience and the others. And God lays clearly for us all, even puts that line in the sand on what it is and. Obviously, that is an obedient giving. And I'd like you to put, go, go from here to the book of Malachi with me. And we'll look at some verses here in Malachi, that last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, if you would, verse 3. And if you've been in church for any time at all, you've probably heard these passages, scriptures uh, preached on or taught. But here we see an obedient giving that's called, that's called to us. The Lord would rebuke his people Israel in these verses. And in verse 7, it says this Even from the days of your father, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Almost like what he said in James Draw nigh to God, and he will what? Draw nigh to you. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? God said, What area have you gone far, far from me on? And he would say this Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he, shall destroy the, and he shall not destroy the fruits of the ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Boy, the people of Israel had, would be far from being a delightsome land. They, got, they had faced captivity and ruin and bondage and Malachi giving a call to come back to the Lord to return unto him to see his faith and or, or to return to him and he talks about this obedient giving When you look at this passage of scripture, you see god's expectation, don't you? The Lord said will a man rob god? Yet ye have robbed me, but you say wherein have ye robbed me in tithes and offerings God said there is an expectation that I have of you And that is a tithe. It's a tenth. It's the first fruit God said, here's my expectation of people is that you give because of what I've already done for you in your life. Genesis chapter 4, and some would argue maybe this is merely the law, but in Genesis chapter 4, long before the law came along, in John Genesis chapter 4, 3 through 5, it says, In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought forth the fruit of the ground and offered unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought, and then it makes this statement, of the firstlings of his flock. Of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, and but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Now there was a there was several things wrong with Cain's offering, but what was right about Abel's offering was number one, it was a blood sacrifice, wasn't it? It was a picture, but by hey, without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. But it was also a firstling; it was the first things of what he had, those firstlings. Abel was doing something. He was giving, if you will, a tithe of the things that he had received. He was saying, Lord, not only is this a blood sacrifice, a symbol of what was coming and a picture of what you've already done, but Lord, I want you to know something. You have the first of me. You have the first things. You have those first things in life. In Genesis chapter 14, we would see this continue when it said and king solomon went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of um, i'm not going to pronounce his name right ketlamor and I'm, I'm sure i butchered it but He's not in glory, all right? And so it won't really matter to him, all right? And of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shava, which is in the king's dale, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth the bread bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. As you know, Christophany and Melchizedek, and what did Abram do? He gave them a tithe of all, long before the law. What was he doing? He was giving a tenth and a recognition of everything that God had given to him, the first things, the tenth of what God had given to him. In Genesis 28, we see Jacob again, and and Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I came again to my father's house in peace, Then shall the Lord be my God, and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. We see it in Abel, we see it in Abram, Abram, we see it in Jacob as they gave a tenth. We would see it confirmed in the law over and over again in the book of Leviticus and throughout the Old Testament. And of course the prophet Malachi reminding the people God has an expectation. In Matthew twenty three twenty three, the Lord would say this, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for ye paid tithes of mints and of ants and of cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Those are important and weightier. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. It's the theme of Scripture. And God had given a command. He would confirm it in the law. But God had the expectation that His people would recognize from which everything they had in life, it came. God desires the first of what we have, the first of who we are. You'll find that theme running all the way through the scripture, the Lord's day, the first day of the week. Early will I seek thee, giving him the first part of our day, giving him the tithe, the first of what we have. God knows that if he has the first of us, he has all of us. If he is the first consideration in our life, God knows that we follow him, and specifically in this matter of finances, where your treasure is, there will your what heart be also. See, there is a level of obedience. It doesn't matter how much we have, God expects the same from all. The tithe, the tenth, the first. And we see the Lord's expectation when it comes to those first things in our life. But we also see God's purpose in this passage of Scripture. He says in verse 10, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house." Lord would say, what was the purpose for this time? It was the temple, and God said, bring it all that there may be meat by house. We know this, that the, the, the storehouse of our day is no longer the temple, it is the church house. The purpose of that time, that purpose was in that day. It was to care for the the things surrounding the temple, the Levites, and all that would take place there, and even their sacrifices would be what the fair, what the what the Levites would eat of and care for those things. And we see that transfer into the New Testament as we give that there may be meat in my house. As a Matter of fact, the Lord would speak of the uh, of the pastor in the Scripture. He said, "Let them that there labor in the word." He goes, "Let the oxman is worthy of his hire." That those things that we give would be meant for the storehouse and the providing of the storehouse. It's obedient given. It is the expectation of God. It's for the purpose of His work, the local New Testament church. Then we see God's promise in this passage of Scripture when it comes to this. It says in verse 9, For those who refuse to do it, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. But If you skip ahead to verse 10, he said in that verse, he said, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be what? meet in my house, and prove me near now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast your fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all the nations shall be blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. He said there is a promise from God. Those who refuse re- miss the blessing of God. They miss the blessing of God. He said, you're cursed with a curse. He said, those who do it, he said, I'll open up the windows of heaven and give you a blessing that, which you cannot receive. Then he said, I'll even rebuke the devourer for your sake. I think of how God would make things last longer for the people of Israel as they went through the 40 years of wilderness, he kept them. And that whole 40 years in the wilderness, he, he rebuked their devourer. The clothes would grow with them. Their things wouldn't wear out. Now, trust me, if you give today, your clothes will still wear out, right? Okay? But there is the provision of God that helps things to last longer. The the blessings of God that he blesses us in our life as we recognize the things that we have received from him. There is this reality that all the nations shall call you blessed. That God will work in in our lives in such a way that those on the outside will say God must be doing something in their life. The blessings of God. It is obedient giving. When it comes to this matter of a tithe or an expectation of the Lord, it is obedient obedience or disobedience. There's no real (laughs) in-between. It's no 5% and I'm partway there. No, it's all the way. It's obedient or disobedient. To obey the law. And God would give that there. And I think of the call to the Christian is this. Friend, the, the reason we do this is because we know. We sang the song that this morning. A, a mighty, uh, what, what was the second song we sang this morning uh, about the Lord? But it said in that last, last line, that last verse, it says, All that borrows life from thee. You know what a tithe is? A tithe is a recognition that everything we have is on loan from the Lord. We borrow life. The breath that you, the air that you're breathing right now, the fact that your your blood is running through your veins, we have it from the Lord. It's the blessing of God that he has given to us in our life that you and I are even walking on this earth. Certainly that we've been saved by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, The tithe is a recognition to the Lord. Lord, you have been such a blessing to me. How could I not recognize you first? in my finances. How could I not be first? How could you not be first in everything that you I have first received of you not to consider you first in the way that I use it? It's a matter of obedience. And the way in which we use it brings about either the blessing of God and the provision of God or if you will, the Lord removing His hand from your life. The devourer that, that sits at the door It has its way as we refuse to walk in obedience to God. There is the giving of, of, if you will, obedient. I I think this is simple obedient giving. But then we begin to enter into some of those those givings. and Go to Matthew chapter 6. And here's another one, Matthew chapter 6. There's grace giving. And uh, I think there's multiple ways of grace giving. But I I think that you'll see why we look at this as grace giving here in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. A little bit different type of giving. He's not talking about the tithe here. He's talking about something above and beyond. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may glory, may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. When thou doest thine alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Thine alms that may be in in secret, and uh, that thine alms may be in secret, and that thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. God's is talking about an alms giving. He's talking about a compassionate gift. It was a giving to those that are in need. In Acts chapter three, two through five, it says a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that enter into the temple, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look unto on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. This man was in need of something. He was asking for alms. He was asking for an offering. He was asking for something of benevolence. And of course, he got something greater than some money in a cup, didn't he? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus, he'd say, rise up and walk. And the man would stand up and walk healed. What was he asking for? He said, I have a need. It's a grace giving. Well, it's a privilege to give, give out of grace, isn't it? Someone who has a need. Someone who's hurting. Someone who's struggling. And God gives us the opportunity. Now, there were some Pharisees that were misusing it. Someone would be, have a need and they'd sound the trumpet, everybody. Take notice of me, everybody. Here I come. I'm coming with my alms. This man needs help. Look how good I am to others. Let me give publicly and let everybody see what I'm doing out of benevolence. And the Lord said, well, you just got everything you're getting out of that. <laughs> the recognition of men. There is a compassionate giving that every Christian ought to be a part of it. We have our offering after the Lord's Supper as we give towards the benevolent funds. Last year, I think it was some $20,000 that through our church that went out to end benevolence giving to those in need. However, you know, sometimes that's outside of this. You ever, there's someone who has a need and God lays it on your heart and you slip something into their hand. There is a compassionate gift, a gift of compassion that God calls us. We call it grace giving because we know this, that in the first place, I've already received grace. What well, moves us? We've seen God work in our life and we see how God has worked in our life through others and we see somebody with a need and I want to be a part of that. Look at what God has already done for me and through me. I want to be a blessing and help. God lays no number on this, does he? You know what it is? It's God working in our heart. It's the importance of being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading as we say, I want to be used of God. It's a private gift. God said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand do. With. He goes, they're making sure everybody knows. You make sure nobody knows. Just give quietly. Give graciously. Give to those who have a need in their life. And God says, as we do this, notice who does take notice. It says in verse 4, it says, That thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in the secret himself shall reward thee what? Openly. Look, there's only one that you need to worry about seeing it, and that's the Lord. That's just it. God takes notice of it all. Okay, if you're living for the praise of man in any area, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Just live for one, and his name is Jesus. And he's talking about an almsgiving of someone who says, there's folks around us that have needs. Are you sensitive to what the Lord lays on your heart as you are there? Look, friends, somewhere along the line has helped you And most of all, it was the Lord. We arrived where we are, not on our own. God has worked in our lives and he has used others to work in our life. And this giving is a recognition of the blessings of God, extending compassion to another and saying, I want to be a blessing and nobody else needs to know it because God has taken notice. It brings the reward of God upon our life. I think of that obedient one that opens up the uh, really, without that obedient one, all the other ones fade in the background. Remember what the prophet Samuel would rebuke uh, uh, Saul over when he was disobedient to the Lord. He would say, uh, the Lord, it's, it's, I can't quote it exactly, but obey. Obedience is better than what? Sacrifice. A call to obey and then to give as God graciously leads us in our life. There's times when I think of this, I think of this when it comes to sharing the gospel as well. And Bible calls us stewards of the mysteries of God and says he's committed unto us the word of reconciliation. I believe this. There's folks in Columbus, Georgia, that the Lord would have to be saved. How many of you believe that? I believe it. And I have a desire that if there's there, that God knows where to send them. And that's me. And that I would not be so stingy with my time as to walk past them because I had something else to do. But God would graciously lead me in my life so that as that person comes around, I can share the gospel with them. I could be a good steward of the gospel. I don't want to miss the moment because I've got something else I've got going on. But I also think of that when it comes to, to the finances that God has gifted us. God gave us these things on purpose and not out of accident. And the Bible even talks about the, that in, in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 12, that some have the, the, the gift of giving, that he's, he's given that to them so they might be specifically a blessing to others. God calls us to this, this almsgiving. It is a compassionate gift. It's a private gift. It's a rewarded gift. Friend, God can use you with whatever little you have, to be a blessing in somebody else's life and God uses that I, I think of this then we see faith giving and if you would go to the Philippians chapter 4 and I won't spend uh, too long here and uh, but it's incredible it's just in a, just a few weeks we'll have our about two weeks or so we'll have our missions giving and I'm sure brother Hall will speak on this to in in greater detail but In Philippians chapter 4, we see this faith giving. We call it faith promise giving. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10, notice what it says here. It says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly. This is Paul speaking to that church at Philippi. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, and wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be a base and I know how to abound. And everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Paul said, I've had a lot and I've had a little, and, but I can go through whatever state God allows me in by his grace and by his strength. He said, notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. He said, you've helped me. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received with Ephroditus the things that were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul was riding back to that church at Philippi. You know the circumstances under which that church was started. And that church was started almost out of a jail cell, wasn't it? Uh, Paul was preaching and Paul and Silas ministering. And through some events, they were thrown into the jail cell. And about midnight, beaten and thrown in. And about midnight, they started to sing and praise the Lord. And the earth shook. The prison doors opened and they could have all run, but they stayed. The Philippian jailer about ready to take his own life, knowing that if his prisoners escaped, his life would be taken with him. So he's about ready to take his own life and Paul stays his hand. And of course, through the course of it all, the man says, what must I do to be saved? And he and his household come to know Christ as their savior. And the church grows and and grows from there. And that church at Philippi, as, as Paul went out and continued on his missionary journey, they said, we want to help you. We want to help you. As you go from here, he would leave Philippi and he would go into Thessalonica and he would go to Athens and Corinth and on with the gospel of Jesus Christ from strange city to strange city serving God. And yet, this church, before any church, said, I want to be a part of that, I want to be used. It's a gift of sacrifice. In 2 Corinthians 8, 1-3, speaking of this type of giving, it said of the church, Moreover, brethren, we do to you the wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. These churches, how that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the richness of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty Abounded unto the riches of their liberality in their deep poverty and in their affliction and in their persecution They reached for what they had and they sent it on to paul. I would say this friend None of us in america are in deep poverty If you are on government support you are still in the top 10% wealthiest people in the world and you may not make it to the 1%, <laughs> but we are blessed by the nature of the country in which we are in. Folks, I saw the numbers this morning some 9 million people coming over the southern border. Now, let's not get into the politics of it. And don't get too upset right now. But even in their deep poverty, they'd rather be deeply pover- in deep poverty here than where they came from. Why? because we aren't so poor. Now, I'm not saying that it's not costly to live here, and I'm not saying, but, but we have much. And my family arrived here in two separate vehicles. Now, none of them, neither of them brand new. One's a 14 and one's a 15. I came from a house. When the winter comes, or when the summer comes, and it's hot, this may be silly, but some sprinkler is going to come up out of the ground and water my grass, <laughs> My house is, well, if it's my way, it's going to be air running tonight. But if it's my wife's way, it's going to be heat. So it's probably going to be heat running tonight. Right? Friend, God has given to us something. Blessed us incredibly. Not in deep poverty. That church gave from deep poverty. And in the trial of affliction, nobody's beaten me and thrown me in jail. Got some weird looks and some beard coloring stuff, all right? And, uh, but I've never been beaten for my faith. And they were giving out of deep poverty. You know what it was? It was a step of sacrifice. Sacrifice is giving of what you need, not giving of your abundance. They were giving of what they needed for a living. Sacrifice. We see that here. Paul was speaking of his own sacrifice. He said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content, whether I, had a, whether I was abounding in blessing or whether I was abased and had nothing. But he would make that statement. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And he was writing of a church who was giving out a deep sacrifice. I will tell you this, friend, when it comes next week, if the gospel goes forward, it will be because people decide to Sacrifice. God uses, and what I love about those verses is that it said there, it would say there, and it says, "the and the abundance of their joy, they did it, they did it with joy in their heart, and deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. They knew that God would have to supply." It was a gift of fellowship. If you look at verse 15 here in Philippians chapter 4, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. What were they saying? Paul, we want to take part in what you're doing. 2 Corinthians 8, 4 through 5 says, Praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. As as you know and as you've heard many times in this place, as friend, God uses what we do in the labor of the missionaries. As we give, as we pray, and a missionary goes, we fellowship with them in their service. God says it was an opportunity to be a part of it. This church was the first to get on board. Paul used, and they were eternally grateful for what God had done in their life to bring them to salvation. And they said, Paul, we're gonna take part in where you're going. Let's send according to your necessity and your need. Even though we're in deep poverty and great affliction because of our faith, we're gonna send to help. And they would give. God put no number on it. It was the leading of the Lord in their life. It was a gift of faith. They would have to trust him. In 2 Corinthians 8:12 through 14, it says, "For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to man hath, and not according to that a man hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened, but by equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply of their want, and that their abundance also may be a supply of your want, that there may be equality." He said. Accepted according to man hath, and not that according to man hath not. God does not ask of me to give what I do not have, and He does not ask me to give the same thing somebody else gives. He just says, Seth Han, I want you to pray, and as you get the, the mind of God, give as I've asked. Faith. Some gifts are gifts of giving, it's matters of obedience. And I will tell you this if you don't get the obedience, you'll never get the faith. Right? You never get the faith. The obedience. As we walk in obedience to the hand of God and give as he's first given to us and follow that tithe and that almsgiving as God leads us in our life and we see those in needs and we give to help those in need, that missions as he calls us to faith. It's a gift of joy. I like verse 17, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your what? Okay. I'm glad that when I get to glory because of faithfulness to missions giving, faith giving, there'll be some folks there that I've never met, but I had part in. We have that freedom, don't we? Joy in the presence of the Lord when we walk into his presence and see folks there that are there as a result of our faithful giving. Then he would say in verse 18, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Ephroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to what, to who? To God. Something that brings a smile to the face of God. Friend, if there was no fruit, the smile is worth it all. (laughs) If there was no fruit in it, to bring joy to my Savior over my actions would be worth it all because he's already done so much for us. It is a sacrifice well-pleasing to the Lord. And then this other promise we see here in verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by what? Christ Jesus, the promise of God's supply. The promise of God's supply. He said, as you follow me in this, God will take care of you. That, that verse is often used out of context and people throw it around randomly without ever giving consideration for their giving to missions. Friend, if, if, if you haven't given admissions, that verse does not belong to you. Well, it belongs to you in terms of you need to do this, but the blessing won't be there for you. It says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. And by Christ Jesus is directly tied to someone who is supporting That mission's on the journey through. The promise and the blessing is for the one who says, let me give as you have given to me to to help send somebody on their way. I have this promise, but my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. There is this matter of faith, promise giving. We see obedient giving. We see grace giving, this benevolence giving as we help those in giving. And we see this matter of, of if you will, faith promise giving. And the last one we see, you go back to the Old Testament again. Go to Exodus chapter 35. And and I, I love these passages of Scripture in Exodus 35. They're always convicting to me when I read them and study them. But it, it beyond the, just the, the matter of giving here. It he speaks about the way God uses people in these few chapters. There's a man named Bezaliel, if I, if I use his name correctly. God would use him and gift him uniquely to help build the tabernacle. And, uh, but it's an incredible passage of Scripture. But we see here a willing gift. In, Psalms, in Exodus chapter 35 and verse 4, we see Moses give this instruction. And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying... Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, and whosoever in this statement a willing heart, let him bring it an offering of the Lord of gold and silver and brass. Now if you skip ahead to verse 20 in the chapter, and it it would begin to say some of the other things they gave there. And then verse 20 it says, And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, and everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for his service and for the holy garments and they came both men and women as many as were willing hearted and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and and tablets all jewels of gold and every man that offered an an offering of gold unto the Lord and every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goats hair and red skins of rams and badger skins brought them everyone that did offer an offering of silver and brass unto the Lord's offering and every man with him was found shittim wood for any work of the service brought it And all the women that were wise-hearted did spin with their hands and brought that which they had spun, both of blue and of purple and of scarlet and of fine linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred them up and in wisdom spun goat's hair. And the rulers brought onyx stone and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate and the spice and the oil for light and for the anointing of oil and the sweet incense. The children of Israel brought a willing offering to the Lord, every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work, which the Lord had commanded to be made of the hand of Moses." God had given Moses the instruction on how to build the tabernacle that his presence might be among his people. And he said, Moses, I want you to go. And Moses would go to the people and say, bring in an offering. This was above their tithes and offerings uh, that, that the tabernacle of God might be built. You would see something similar when the temple was built. You would see it again when the temple was restored after it had been destroyed. You would see God work and use God's people as they gave above what he had expected of them in their tithes and offerings to help build that place for God's presence among God's people. What catches my attention here is, is just the willingness. It was a, first of all, it had a purpose and it was for the tabernacle, but it was a willing gift. It said who had a willing heart. Moses went and he said, if, if you don't if, if your heart is not willing, don't bring it. <laughs> but if God has made your heart willing, bring it. You know what he's saying? This is between you and your God. This is between you and your God. There's no number of tenth or whatever it is set upon it, but as God lays it on your heart, you bring it. As God has equipped you and laid on your heart and according to the man hath, you bring it. And bring it before the Lord. I'm sure the willingness of the heart, the state of a desire to be there to give, was strong in their heart because this was a people that they had been in bondage for 400 years. Building bricks for another man's buildings and roads and cities. They had watched their boys slaughtered as they entered into this world just because they were born a boy. And one day God sent a man named Moses and said, let my people go. The plagues would come and Pharaoh's heart would be broken and then hardened, and broken and hardened, and broken and hardened. And finally he would say, get out and take the spoils. And they would leave spoils, taking the spoils of Egypt. They'd come to the Red Sea, and they're at the Red Sea. You know the story. Pharaoh would follow, and yet God would do a wonderful miracle and lead them out through the Red Sea and provide manna and water from the wilderness. They had seen the blessings of God. And as much as they murmured and complained, they still knew that they were there because of God. They were there because of God. And it was time for God to have a house in the middle of their presence. And he said, bring it in. And as they brought it in, they gave willingly. It was purposeful. It was willing. It was individual. Look at some of these verses here again. It says in verse, verse 23, And every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and red skin and rams and badger skins brought them. And then it says here in verse 25, And all the women that were wise-hearted did spin with their hands and brought that which they had spun. Then it says in verse 27, And the rulers brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate. It was like God was saying, everybody gave as God had worked in their life and in their heart. As God had worked in their life and in their heart. I think what we see is God unfolding a if you will a roadmap and a roadmap of things to consider when it comes to our giving i think it all begins with obedient giving and by the way i think everything in the christian life begins there what is the first thing someone does when they're saved a step of obedience am i right baptism step of identification obedience to the lord we see that in our life as we step out in obedience and there's that first thing it's a step of obedience and then we watch God walk as we step into obedience. God says, I want to give through your life as the Lord leads. What I've given to you, what he's given to us, friend, what he has given to us, what he has entrusted me with as a steward of God, he wants me to use. And I believe that he gives to me so that I can give to others. And he continues to give to me so that I continue to be used. That I'm meant to be a funnel of God's blessing, not a, not a reservoir, if you will. But a funnel of God's blessing. Now you have to secure it. You have to save it. You have to look ahead. But we have to prayerfully say, Lord, where is the one in need that I can be a blessing to? Because you've done so much for me. An alms. There's folks that need an almsgiving. Hey, how about this matter of missions? Five missionaries will stand here in a few short weeks. And friend, they're going to leave everything they know and are familiar with. Everything they know and are familiar with. And they're going to leave this country and go to another country with the gospel. Sometimes they may have plenty where they're at, and sometimes they may have little where they're at. But you and I get to be a part of where they're at to help send them on their way. And to support them in their journey. And then this place that God gives us, the opportunity to, in the middle of a building thing, but prayerfully give as God has worked in my life. Now, friend, we all know, how many of you, don't have to raise your hand, have your own set of needs? Your own mouths to feed at home, your own house to provide for, and as much as we recognize that we are in a blessed country, it's not a cheap one, is it? It's not cheap. But no, let me read some of these verses going back to just some of the things we've looked at. In in the book of Proverbs, Trust the Lord with all thy own heart. It would finish with this. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. When he would say, give a tenth, give a tithe, Bring ye all your tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there, shall be, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourers for your sake, and ye shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time into the field. Matthew 6, 4, when he would call us to give in us an, an alms. Thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward him thee, what? Openly. Philippians 4, 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's, you know what he's saying there? In every place where he calls us to give, he gives the promise of his provision. In every place where God calls me to give, he gives me the promise of his provision. And now, it leaves me with this question. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Do I really trust him? Do I really acknowledge him? Do I really trust him? And do I really acknowledge him? It's easy to say it. I trust him acknowledging him until he calls us to take a step of action in our life. I could take the opposite approach. In James chapter 4, 13 through 15, he says, Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. There were those in James that said, no, 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 we've got our plans. We're going to go in this city and we're going to buy and sell and get gain and we're going to make it through this life. And God says, you don't even know what tomorrow holds. You don't even know what tomorrow holds. So we make this call. Where do I put my trust? In my ability to buy, sell, get gain. Or in God's ability to hold tomorrow that as I follow him in faith and give as he's called me to give, that God provides for me in my life. Will I trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean out under my own understanding, or will I trust in my ability to buy, sell, and get gain and live in this life with all of my heart, with all of my understanding? Now, God doesn't, when it comes to tithe, God calls us all to give that way. But when it comes to the others, God just says, that God leaves it to his working in our life. Far be it from a preacher to say, give this amount. (laughs) Right? It always gets me when I see these guys on television. Give $300 to me and I'll give you this hanky and God will bless your heart. All right? Yeah? No. Let's not buy that. (laughs) But you better go to God. Right? You better go to God and say, God, this is what you've given me. How can I use what you've given to me? I'm going to see somebody with a need in their life. I don't need to tell everybody about it. I just need to use it to help meet it. I just need to be used to help meet it. Lord, there's some missionaries that will go, and I just need to be used to help send them. Lord, there's a work that needs to be done in your own, my own home and in my own Jerusalem. And, and there's to be frank, God's given us what we need to do it. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not on the understanding. I know this. There's a lot of other areas it's easier to trust. Generally, The things that are forced upon us. If a tribulation comes our way, someone says trust, and we trust because it's all we can do. (laughs) It's beyond our control. I'm just going to trust. It's all I can do. But this one, we know God has left it in our hand. He's left it in my hand. And He's going to see where is my heart? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He knows he's got me. And what I do, will I give? Will I be obedient, first of all? Will I be obedient? Then as he leads with those who have a need, will I be quick to reach for my pocket? As there's a missionary to go, will I give out of what God has given me to help send them? Friend, when it comes to his own house, as God leaves me, will I be willing to give of what I have, everybody individually, if God has laid on his heart? I like how he said that. Give willingly. I believe when God's people do that, God uses it. I'm gonna go back to Corinthians. I'm gonna be done tonight. But he said in Corinthians, he said they gave beyond their power. Catch? He gave beyond their power. In other words, God did two things in life. He gave more than through them more than they thought they could, but also God did more with what they had than they thought they could do. You ever look at just something and say, "This is hardly anything." God, what big deal is of it? Kind of like that kid with a few loaves and fishes, right? All of God is a few loaves and fishes. What good is this? And yet God, beyond his power, fed 5,000 people with it. God needs people who give of what they have, and then he takes of what they have, and he multiplies it into what he wants to do with it. That's what he does. God looks at me. I believe this. God can do more with what I have than what I could ever do with what I have. And if I entrust it with him, he'll use it for his honor and glory. And why would he then let me go hungry when he knows if he takes care of me, I'll use what he's given me for his honor and his glory? He just says, if you let yourself be used, I'll continue to take care of you because I need a vessel to be used in this world. That's what he was talking about in Matthew chapter six. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. If you take care of my work, I'll take care of you. But if you're going to take care of you and your work, then I'm not going to take care of you. (laughs) Because God provides where he leads. Then we're on our own. And so God makes his call. And I, I don't generally preach on finances, but I think it's incredibly important to our life. Because, friend, I think it not only matters in this life, but in the one that is to come. And I think God gives to me on purpose, and I think he's given to you on purpose. And I think it's not just for us and what we need. I think he gave it to us to help someone else, to help his work, to give obediently through our tithes and offerings, to give to those who have a need in their life, to give to a missionary that they would go forward with it, to give to a ministry that continues not just to have another building friend, but to see folks in those buildings that would come to know Christ as their savior. And God uses what little I have. And, and here is what I would ask of you. Hey, take time in prayer with God and review it. Take time in prayer. Missions conference is coming right around the corner. I'm sure Brother Hall will mention a few of those things, and I'm sure it'll be different. He was here before and preached on it, but, but take time. Lord, first of all, am I obedient? Secondly, am I compassionate through my alms? Thirdly, am I giving faith through my missions for what matters for eternity? And fourthly, am I giving out of a willing heart for the work of God? And it will be a step of faith. There's no question. We'll look at those things and say, But I have need. And it will be this question. The verse we know so well. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thy what? Own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy path. As I follow him, he provides for me. And blesses for me. And carries us through. Until the day we see the Lord. And we're singing that song. Sweeter than the day before sweeter than the day before let's let's pray together lord i love you and i thank you so much for the privilege to be used to the lord i i know this is a simple message and ungiving and something that you have to do a work in our heart but what i would be foolish to you said that i'm to get preach the word to be instant in season out of season to reprove rebuke exhort i'm supposed to be faithful to declare the whole counsel of god and not part of it lord, i pray that in our own lives this is a very individual message for some of us the tithe is simple it's straightforward it's obedience but the other things are a prayerful seeking of the face of God and how we give. And I pray that our hearts would be open and receptive to what you would lay on our hearts. Not, all, not just tonight, Lord. Not this evening, but in the days ahead. Whether it's a missions conference, whether it's someone this year that we'll come into contact with that has a need. Whether it's a, a building to be built that folks might come to know Christ as their Savior. And to have this trust in our heart, Lord, that it's not according to man hath, but it's according to man hath not. And there is a God who can do much with little, and use it for your honor and for your glory. Heads bowed and eyes closed. And let me ask you this. It's not necessarily a salvation message, but the God of supply is there. How many of you could say, Preacher, I know the Lord. If you would to ask me now if I'm saved, that's a settled thing for me. I know I know Christ. That's settled for me. Is that your testimony? Would you raise your hand as a testimony between you and I and the Lord? I didn't preach on it tonight, but I did this morning and the Gospels all the way through the Word of God. And maybe you're here tonight saying, Preacher, I just need the Lord. When it comes to this matter of giving, I'm certain the Lord needs to work in my heart there. But most importantly... I just need to know the Lord. Is there anybody here that would say, preacher, I'm without Christ and I'd like to come to know him tonight. Would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that? You say, preacher, would you pray for me that I might be saved? Let me ask you this, Christian. Then how many of you would say, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart. I don't know whether it's a commitment to give in a certain way or just specifically God saying, trust me. Trust me. Because that's certainly the call when it comes to our finances. Trust him. It is the standout thing that God calls us to, trust in the Lord. But you would say, preacher, in the course of the message tonight, the Lord has spoken to my heart. Would you raise your hand as a testimony? And as that pianist begins to play, would you stand with me this evening? And as God has spoken to your heart, maybe it's a matter of turning something to the Lord, something you've taken back. I don't know in what specific area the Lord would have spoken to your heart. That's certainly between you and him. But as God has spoken to your heart, the the altar is open. Maybe it's a prayerful seeking of God's face as we head into missions conference. Lord, what would you have of me? What could I give? Maybe there's a specific matter of trust that the Lord challenged you on when it came to finances tonight. God said, trust me. And Maybe it's a sacrifice he asked of you. Paul would certainly offer up his sacrifice and maybe God would ask you to give in a sacrificial way. But as the Lord has spoken to your heart this evening, do business with him.